known by love and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321. Give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. How many of you have gotten away with something? Show of hands. Have you gotten away with something? Be honest. I have. Okay? No? Okay, a couple. I see a few hands. How many of you really got away? No consequences at all? Have you ever done something where you're like, oh, nobody will notice this? Do you feel good about that when you do that? <laughs> I feel like, like we do that to avoid suffering a lot. Like, you know, I don't want to tell the truth or I don't want to be caught in a lie. So, you know, and that's like the worst thing in today's day and age I think you can do to somebody is either make them uncomfortable, first of all, but really like hold them down to some expectation. Or, you know, make them face their own <laughs> inadequacies. We don't like that. We're very comfortable in this day and age, right? I love my comfort. I don't know about you. I like to hang out with my comfort. I have dates with my comfort. I, I take my comfort out frequently. My comfort and I spend a lot of my money. And, um, but you know what? No one I've ever met doesn't know. In other words, everybody I've ever met knows what I'm about to say, Okay. Sometimes I have to do a thing I don't like so that I can be better off later on. Have you ever met somebody who doesn't know that, who honestly would like be like, no, I'll be comfortable all day long and things will be fine. Everybody knows this, but it sucks and nobody does it, right? Like that's another universal. Everybody I've met doesn't want to do that. Now you meet disciplined people, right? Like, if you've ever heard of David Goggins, he's like this machine of a man who runs like 50 miles every minute and like, you know, just keeps going. Like his knees are swelling and falling off and he's like, stay hard, and just keeps running. And like, and, and he's like, I wake up at 4.30 and I eat, you know, and I'm just like, and it seems like, okay, good for you, right? And a lot of people don't like him. Why? It's kind of like a mirror because he used to be kind of overweight and lazy. And now he's like, I don't know, he's probably like 75, but he looks like he's 20. And it sucks because it makes you realize, well, if I got up every day at 5.30 and I ran 50 miles and I ate right and I did what I needed to do and I already know what I need to do, I'd be there. So I want to tell you a story. See, Jacob is this character in the Bible and he goes through some pretty fun stuff. It's really not fun. And um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to tell the story of his life, and then we'll, we'll pick it up in Scripture just for sake of time. Otherwise, we'll be reading several chapters to you. Um, he sees a hot girl by a well, and he's like, who's that hot girl? And then they're like, that's Laban's daughter, Rachel. And he's like, cool. He goes to Laban. They're like related somehow. He's like, hey, you're my flesh of my flesh. You should work for me. Um, what do you want for payment? He's like, can I get your daughter? And he's like, sure. Work for me for seven years, and you can marry my daughter. He's like, sweet. Okay, totally common back then. Seven years. Um, Laban tricks him into marrying Rachel's older sister. So they get married. She's like in a veil, and then I guess it was too dark. <laughs> so there was, you know. 
And then he's like, ah, oh, and he's like all mad. And he's like, come on, man, what happened? He's like, well, where I come from, we don't marry the younger daughter before the older daughter. So uh, Laban says, what do you want? He says, well, I still want Rachel. Okay, how about another seven years of labor? Because I already gave you one daughter. Okay, so he's, again, seven years. So now he's worked 14 years for the one thing he wanted, and he gets it. He gets to marry Rachel. Um, then he, he, you know, basically says, like, after, the, after that whole thing, he starts to have some kids, whatever. And then finally, um, Jacob has a, bunch of, he has a bunch of kids with both his wives and a couple of their servants. Don't you love how wholesome and wonderful the Bible is? <laughs> Just totally normal nuclear family here. Um, and he asked Laban to let him go, right? He said, okay, it's, the jig is up. It's been 15, probably at this point, years can I just leave with my stuff, right? Like, I just want to take my huge now family and just kind of go. And Laban's like, you know? So he's like, um, what do you want? Laban asks him. Jacob says this in Genesis 30, chapter, or chapter 30, verse 32. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark-colored lamb, and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been around goats, but they're kind of, you know, I wouldn't think of them as like what I would ask for. I'd be like, do you have gold or like, you know, do you have another daughter maybe? I don't know. But, um, you know, this was kind of like the simplest way to kind of measure wealth almost was like, look at all the herds this guy has. Look at all the livestock. Look at all the goats, okay? But goats are like, they're cool, I think, but they're kind of stubborn and smelly and they're not something I would look at in my modern eyes. It's something that I would like love to get, right? But it seems like a fair request. He's not asking for the best, right? If I were asking for goats, I'd be like the spotless goats. All the goats that are strong and healthy. But he's like, I'll take the speckled, the streaked, the dark ones, the whatever, you know, all of whatever these ones, okay, just so we can know, those lambs are yours, these lambs are mine, okay, this will be a good way to, to, to divide it up. Now, Laban goes, sure. Then Laban, being a great man who is so friendly and kind up to this point and never changes a deal or anything, steals all of the speckled and spotted and streaked goats and puts them with his sons and then says, now, Jacob, you watch this flock. So his deal was he would work, he would continue to work the flock and then take the ones that were spotted and speckled. Well, how many are left? None. So now he's going to be working for free again for no reward. So Jacob comes up with this awesome plan, which makes zero sense whatsoever, frankly. I don't understand why. The Bible doesn't really say why he chose to do this. But in Genesis chapter 30, 37, Jacob, however, took fresh-cut branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and made white stripes on them by peeling the bark and exposing the inner wood. Then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink... They mated in front of the branches, and they bore young that were streaked, speckled, or spotted. That makes no sense, okay? <laughs> this, this is not a lesson in, like, biology. This, I don't think this is something you can replicate, okay? But he basically, I mean, and this could be a theologically deep discussion one day we could have about becoming what you behold, right? But um, uh, that's uh, maybe another time. But in... Later on in Genesis 31, we, we read this. This is Jacob talking to Rachel, I believe. It says, In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw the male goats 
mating with the flock, were streaked, speckled, or spotted. The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, I answered, here I am. And he said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted, for I have seen all that Laban has, do- has been doing to you. So it wasn't just a totally out of the blue thing as far as the speckled goats, but the system which he did, just cool, kind of, a, I guess. <laughs> like, wouldn't be my reaction, I don't think, to paint like a picture in front of somebody and be like, look, now you're going to give babies that look like this picture. Um, but his reaction to working within the confines of the situation he was in, he reacted, the Bible says a few times that, again, we don't have time to just explore the text, it's, you know, he's not happy about these things. He's not like, well, those are the breaks. Laban just kind of, do. he's my father-in-law, what can I say? You know, he's mad. He doesn't like this. But he doesn't leave. And we find out in that last passage, God's actually with him. God's still using him in the middle of that. And his reward was goats, right? That's what he wanted, that's what he gets. Okay, interesting But once God had spoken, his situation slowly starts to change. Because guess what happens? All those goats, they keep reproducing speckled and spotted ones. And then when he saw strong, like, goats or or whatever in the field, he would then be like, okay, they're going to, they usually drink water here. I'm going to put my little speckled, (laughs) my painting, so they know what to shoot for, you know, over here. And then slowly but surely, now all the strong goats were speckled and spotted. And then all of the non-streaked and spotted goats are weaker. So this reminds me of a quote that I'll probably butcher. I don't even remember who I first heard it from. If you put a thief in a palace, he will see things to be sold for gain. And the palace will become a prison of debt because he will sell everything he sees. If you put a prince in a prison... He will turn the prison into a palace and his heart will be set free. So the Bible goes out of its way to make God's people look foolish. Not not look foolish, to honestly portray their foolishness, their hardship. It doesn't shy away from the fact that they were sinners that didn't have their head on straight all the time and almost never made the right decisions. Sound familiar? Sounds like me. I am like still to this day, I don't know if you know this, just because I speak and lead worship from time to time, I'm a horrible person a lot of the time. I do horrible things. I am lazy. I do not do what I should do still. But when I lean into what God has for me, like this morning when I took the time and I was like, Jesus, I want your freedom, I feel the invitation of the Lord, similar to what Jacob did, to do something different in the midst of your situation rather than being just rescued from it. See, Jacob had this determination, for whatever reason, to stay there and continue doing what he was doing. Now, this is one of the last mentions of Laban we're about to read. Now, does he have a change of heart because of how good Jacob has been and how patient Jacob has been and how good he has been, uh, you know, as a servant and a son-in-law? No. This is what it says in Genesis 31. Uh, verse 26. Then Laban said to Jacob, so, okay, sorry, for some context, forgot I took this verse out. Jacob finally leaves. He's leaving, he's got his, all his kids and his wives and all of his new livestock, and he just leaves. And Laban says this, what have you done? You've deceived me. 
<laughs> You've carried off my daughters like captives in war. Which, by the way, they were like, let's go. His daughters were like, we should get out of here. Our fathers probably spent our inheritance at this point. Like, <laughs> we don't have no reason to stay here. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Why didn't you tell me so I could send you away with joy and singing, the music of tim timbrels and harps? You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. You have done a foolish thing. I mean, I can't say for sure, but I don't think that's how that really would have gone if he told Laban his plans, right? Based on his previous activity. Now, it seems ridiculous that, he, that Laban has this reaction, right? This is the guy that changed the deal on him for two different daughters and then changed his wages 10 times, it says elsewhere in Scripture. So he's a liar and a cheat and a thief and a steal. And then he complains, and now he's the victim because you're leaving my toxic environment. How dare you? Now, it seems ridiculous that he has that reaction. But am I really any different? I expect an extraordinary life, but I don't do extraordinary things. I expect a life full of freedom and abundance, but I don't sacrifice. And then I'm mad and I'm bitter, and I'm the victim, because why is my life so hard? And I wonder how many of you can relate to that. I wonder how many of you are in a situation where you don't know what to do, or you're frustrated, and you're bitter towards God, or you're bitter towards your boss, or yourself, or your spouse. And so it'd be, you know, am I saying just try harder, or just be better? Yes, and what did Jacob have in this story? He had a vision from God. God told him what to do. He said, do you see that what's happening in this vision I'm giving you of these speckled goats? That's me increasing you. You are doing the right thing by humbling yourself. You are trusting in me. I will bless you. Now, who leaves better out of this 20-odd-year situation, Laban or Jacob? By how much, do you think? How would you measure wealth in today's day and age? Bitcoin, Tesla stock? This was wealth. Goats were wealth. This guy literally is carrying, his wealth follows him around and eats grass. That's, um, like, for him, he's now literally, like, materially wealthy at this point. Plus, he has this huge family, which was another way of, like, like, God blessing you. If you had a big family, that was like, you have been blessed. Children in those days were considered a very good thing, a sign of your wealth, a sign of your goodness, right? Nowadays, you know. Laban, Laban stole, cheat, and, and did everything wrong, and he still ended up feeling like, woe is me. And he had the weaker flock and no family. And I think there's a little warning there that says if we continue on that path, where will we end up? Lonely, no wealth, no family. Jacob had a sensible reaction. He wasn't happy. He wasn't like, I'm just doing the work of the Lord. I don't have emotions. You know? He was like, this sucks. This is stupid. But the Lord has been with me. And the Lord is with me, and I will do as he says. Because then when he leaves, there's no sorrow and there's no hesitation. Because he gets to go blessed by God. 
God himself says, these are your flocks. I made it this way, right? I am the one who gave you this vision. These are now your sheep. You, they're strong. They're plentiful. Look at your family. Laban, he made his own choice. That was his decision, and that's where he ended up. So how many of us are sick of sacrificing, expecting to be set free, but not changing anything we're doing or who we're listening to? How many of us are sick of where we're at, but not sick enough to do anything about it? There's a good saying, never enough time to do it right, always enough time to do it twice. Right? But I'm here to say our job as followers of God, as followers of Jesus, is not just to try harder. It's to be diligent in our relationship to Jesus. It's to be diligent in how we follow and how we show up. Because I am not going to say he will rescue us from uncomfort. In fact, he guarantees the opposite. You will have trouble. But I don't know about you, but when I'm hearing from God and I'm going through trouble, it makes the trouble the right thing to do, and now suddenly I want to do it, versus me avoiding it and knowing that I'm a little more comfortable, but now I have to carry shame, and now I can't sleep. So things are not going your way. How are you seeking the Lord? Things are not going your way. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to be more upset? Are you going to be more bitter? Are you going to be mad that somebody is doing something even though you forced them to do it? Or are you going to ask God, where are you in this? What are you doing? Where is your path of the goats? <laughs> How do I use what I'm doing now? What are you blessing in what I'm doing now? Because I guarantee he's in what you're doing now. He's in the job you hate. He's in the relationship you don't like. He's in the uncomfortable thing you're doing. And if you just humble yourself and say, look, this sucks, God. You can be honest. You don't have to be like, you're so good all the time. And no, I love that person so much. Even though I get sick when I think of them. You can be honest with him. That person makes me sick. Where are you in that relationship? And I guarantee he'll be like, I'm working on your heart because you have this issue and you're impatient. Okay, David Goggins. That's a callback. See what I did? So I just wanted to challenge us as a body of community that what we're in right now, it's not, I'm not guessing and this isn't my opinion, okay? It is the way out. What you're in is the way out of what you're in. You're not going to just like, like you're not going to be lifted out of it miraculously well, maybe you will, but I'm not going to promise that. <laughs> what I will promise you is that if you lean in and ask God what he's doing, the situation will change. Your comfort level in it will probably get more resilient because now you have help, right? Now you have something you could do. And I could, I've yammered a little too long. I have a great story on this. I'll tell you another time. Ask me after the service. <laughs> but I just want to ask this simple question. Where's your path of goats? What's the thing that you have right now that you're ignoring or you don't want to do or you, or you just, it's obvious, like I said, I've never met anybody who doesn't know the answer to this question. It shouldn't be revolutionary to you. But I want you with your mouth to tell somebody. Okay? I want you to, with somebody here, to just say, I am not doing this thing that I know I need to do. Because guess what? That 
will be the most painful part about today, that one minute that you spend saying the thing. And guess what will come? All of heaven. Jesus himself will step in and say, thank you for confessing. I am on your side for this, for you. That I can promise. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.